0: From page, from page to, screen. to screen.
1: So, how are you today, Natalie Kennedy? Is it snowing where you are? Because we got snow this morning.
0: No, yeah, it's bright and clear.
1: We got snow. It's like it's springtime. It's March. Why are we getting snow? It's not stuck, but it snowed, which is annoying because I've missed the sun. Yes, I miss
0: the sun. Sometimes.
1: So you were, uh, literally you could say anything you want on this, there's no, because it's my show, so there's no censorship or anything like that. So if you want to swear, you can swear it's fine. Um, But you had a viewing of the assembly cut of Purgatory last night. My sources, aka your Facebook update and Rebecca's update, told me, how did it go? Uh,
0: Yes, well, I mean, it's the first assembly, so we're really early days. There's a lot of work to do on it yet but it was exciting to see like
1: a cut of the film. And so when I've seen, I think the only assembly cuts I've ever seen were stuff I've done, but also the alien three one that David Fincher did and the Blade Runner one. So, you know, I've not seen many, many assembly cuts. So talk me through how your assembly cut setup works. Was everybody around a big laptop? Was it a bigger screen? Was it a huge TV? What what was the the setup like for you?
0: Well, we were all just sent a link to the movie with, like, where you can... It's on Frame.io, where you can, like, leave comments on the film, where you're up to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we all just got it separately, because we're all so far away, like, the editor's in London, Lyndon, the executive producer's in London, I'm in Macclesfield, and Rebecca's in Knutsford. Yeah. So, a bit spread out, Um So, yeah, just got it sent to us and all watched it.
1: And then what's your thoughts on it? Do you sit there and watch the film and then make notes? Or are you sitting there with sheets of paper going, tweak this, change that? Or it's all perfect, release it now.
0: I try to watch it and just, like, take it in on the first viewing. But there were things that I can't help but write little notes. So I've kind of wrote a few notes and then... Tomorrow night, I'm going to watch it again and write more notes and then um, hopefully get a bit more work in with the editor to get it sort of how my vision is, really.
1: How difficult is it to – because I think if you were, like, a writer, director, editor, if you did absolutely everything, yeah. a, there's not enough hours in a day, so you'd probably struggle with that, but you would be able to go, right, this is what I've written, this is what I want to shoot brilliant, they've matched up, now I'm going to edit it, that's all matched up. How tricky a process is it to get your vision out into into the world by sitting down with an editor or, or a cinematographer, because you work, you're working with different cinematographers on Blank and Purgatory. Is that tricky or is that, how, just, how does that work?
0: It's part of the job, really. It's just communication. It's finding ways to communicate what I see in my head to the people that I'm working with. So I think with the editor, it's kind of like you give them an idea of what you're thinking and then you see where they go with it. See if they have any kind of fresh ideas and kind of trust in them a little bit. And then it's the same thing with the cinematographer. You know, I say this is what I'm thinking, this is how I visualise it. And then they'll come up with ideas and we'll work together and kind of develop like the direction that it's going
1: because it always fascinates me because there's a lot of filmmakers out there who direct and they they're the ones holding the camera and they, they shoot it themselves. But then you've also got directors like yourself who work with cinematographers. I think I would I would struggle because I've never done it before, so that's probably why I would struggle explaining to a cinematographer rather than go, look, just give me that camera. This is a shot I want. Brilliant. Press record, done. Because I'm a novice. That's why. But what is the relationship like between a director and a cinematographer
0: i think it's a close one i mean i'm quite visual i'm a photographer as well as as you know so i have ideas in my head of like how i want things to look so you know communication is key you've got to communicate your ideas and what you're thinking and i don't like to have like strict storyboards of what i'm going to shoot i write a shot list And I do my shot list and then I get in the space and I'm like, oh, this isn't, you know, this looks nice. And the cinematographer will have ideas and go, I'm thinking of setting up this side. What do you think of this? They will offer me up a shot and I'll sort of yay or nay like it or maybe something a little bit different. And it's just communication, really.
1: And lots of it before the actual shooting day and obviously during the shooting day as well.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So you've got, a, obviously, you've got a photography background. Which came first, uh, Natalie the filmmaker or Natalie the photographer, still
0: photographer? Well, actually, I started as an actress uh, from a very young age. I started acting when I was four. So that side kind of came first, and then that developed into creating my own material. I kind of dabbled with photography with some really cheap budget camera, but just some creative ideas and experimentation got I started writing and producing and then handling multimedia then I went to university I studied media and performance because I wasn't sure which direction I was going to go in and it kind of went from there so I it kind of went hand in hand really I mean as I say the actress thing came first because that's where I started but everything else just kind of developed like at once I was doing a lot of different things being very trying to be very creative yeah. and see where that took me. And now the photography, I take a lot more seriously. Then I was just dabbling and, you know, trying to create cool images. Um, whereas now, I, you know, I love photographing people. That's my favourite thing to do. I really enjoy that. So I love like artistic portraits and fine art photographs and uh, headshots are great. I love doing headshots, just taking pictures is great fun.
1: What's the headshot market like out there? And I, I mean by that, you see a lot of people who having headshots done, and they're, they're you know, you can tell they've been done by somebody's phone, and you're like, don't have, don't have that as a headshot. Get some proper headshots. And I think a lot of people don't quite see the benefit of having proper headshots done. I do because you can tell the difference between you know, a well-done headshot and a not-well-done headshot, and that is the difference between somebody going, oh, we'll call you in for an audition, and probably not. But has that changed a lot over the years since, you know, the mobile phones are getting better lenses on them, I guess? But
0: I mean, I love using my iPhone for day-to-day, like pitch family, stuff like that. I don't want to pick a professional camera up all the time and then edit it and then do all that. So for day-to-day, just memory joggers, you know, an iPhone or a Samsung or whatever you want to get, Google phone, they're great for just day-to-day. But, you know, if you're really going to take yourself seriously and this is a a career path that you want to take, you have to get professional headshots because it's not just about the quality of the image, it's the direction you get. So, like, helping bring emotions forward, developing character, different looks, different emotions you can't do that by just posing with your phone it no. just doesn't work you know selfie great take a selfie you want to try something different use your phone no problem but realistically I if I if anybody applied to one of my films with a headshot that wasn't professional I'd just bypass them immediately because I think well you're not a serious actor.
1: Yeah if that's what they're like with the, the portal. What are they going to be like being on set with you, I suppose?
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's this is a profession, it's not a, a hobby. Some people it might be a hobby, but if taking it seriously, you have serious headshots. Because, for example, on Purgatory, we had way over a thousand applications for the role. Now, you can't sit and look at every single person's showreel. And the profile, so the very first thing you go off is the headshots. That's what you see. And we will literally go like, maybe, yes, no, just off the whole mm. image. And anybody that doesn't have a professional image, for me, I'd just immediately bypass them.
1: Yeah. And it may, it makes sense doing that, because like you said, you can't sit and go through a thousand shots. So you've got to go, right, I'll go through these thousand, well, I'll whittle Nope, nope, nope. You end up with a shorter list and a maybe list and you end up with a really good cast like you do in blank and by looks of it, purgatory as well.
0: Yeah, you need to hone it down. You can't have... You can't... You've got to be tough. It's critical. It's critical business This, and it's very time-consuming and often you're on a deadline, you know, so... There are people that will stand out. Another thing, I'll just say, this is just a bit of guidance for actors. If they've got a good agent or a self representing adding a little note in the description on Spotlight, you know, when you're applying for a casting, why they think they're suitable for the role or key roles that they've had that they might want to point out to us. I always read them because I'm like, oh, somebody's made the effort to put a little bit of a description in there. So I read it and actually... That was one of the reasons that Alina Allison, who's in our upcoming film, Purgatory, stood out because her agent wrote something about her and it was just really poignant and to the point, but made her stand out a little bit more. So, you know, thinking about those things, that's the kind of thing that people want to do to get noticed.
1: And it is, I think, you know, I've just been going through the the horrible task of trying to compile my top 200 favourite movies ever. Oh, it start it it's it's a good list that it's at two hundred and seven now, so I need to kick seven films out because it's it was originally supposed to be one hundred oh. and now then it became one hundred and fifty and then it became two hundred and currently it's now two hundred and seven, so I've got the task later on today of kicking things out and I've put them all in order because I own them all on physical media as well and I've put them all in order and I can chart my life through movies. It's really weird looking at them all. You're like, yep, 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 yep. It's a very, very strange thing. I think nowadays, and I I love movies. I watch a lot of films. I think can't, there are too many films. There's too much content out there, I think, as much as I love content. I can't watch it all. It's absolutely impossible. So I'm looking for things that stand out. Yeah. And obviously that applies to people being in the films as well, but also the films. Uh, Blank stood out because I am a huge fan of these, what I call limited location movies. So shoot a film in a house or a boat or a spaceship or or an elevator or bury Ryan Reynolds alive and that's the whole film for an hour and a half. Yeah. So that to me, that's what stood out about Blank. Great. Right. Well,
0: thank you. I mean, obviously this was my first Feature film as a director. Um, I'd done shorts and I'd worked on feature films in other roles. Um, and obviously, like you, there's only so much budget you can get when you start out. You you know, you're not unlimited in what you can get unless you're very fortunate. So I was trying to find something that was contained, that had limited cast members in it, limited locations, but that was still interesting. And it completely fit what I was after. I wanted sci-fi, I wanted AI, and it was literally like it what was in my head had been written for me. And Stephen Herman, who was the writer, had done a fantastic job. And I actually thought it was a female writer because it was female-led characters and it was okay. so well written. It felt so accurate and so real. I was like, this is because I didn't look at who the writer was before I read it, I just looked at the script. So I was really surprised, actually, that he was male, because he'd he'd just done such a good job. Not that a male can't do a good job, but, you know, often there's like a male perspective of it, and and that comes through. And with that, I didn't feel it. So when was
1: Blank Shock? Was it pre-pandemic or during or...?
0: Actually, a lot of people think it was filmed kind of during or after, because it was such limited locations. And then the themes of the movie are quite, you know, trapped inside, can't get out, there's a virus, you know. So it was very relevant. A lot of people thought it was in reaction to the pandemic, but in fact it was before.
1: Because I'd first heard about it during the pandemic, like the early days, so I knew that I didn't think it had been, you know, I didn't know whether it had been completed during the pandemic or whatever, but I, I knew it wasn't a reaction to the pandemic, but then it sort of, it didn't come out for, for a while because nothing did really. Everything sort of backed up, didn't it? But then it comes out uh, like within the past bunch of months and it, AI's like the thing now, isn't it? AI's the the Skynet. Everybody hates AI's like, boo down with it. So I think that the, the fact it didn't come out maybe when it originally would have has helped the film, do you think? Have you noticed any of that or? Um,
0: I think that it's had, I mean, across the board it's had great critical reviews we've not had any bad critical reviews which we're really fortunate to have and in terms of numbers of how many people have seen it I mean we've done streaming we didn't go the cinematic route which you know I would have liked to try it but it's just you know in this day and age it's less kind of common so um you know I don't actually know like I've had people get in touch with me and say oh I've seen it or I'm gonna see it and you know, I've had a lot of feedback, but I don't actually, I, I, I don't actually know how many people have seen it, um, because Spark Pictures that have released the film are away. At, I can't remember which film market it is at the minute. Is it Berlin? I
1: like, think so. I think there is something going on in Germany. Yeah.
0: When they get back, we're going to have a catch up with them and just see where we're at. So I'm looking forward to that.
1: Are you Are you looking forward to it? Slash nervous. Slash oh no. Or how How do you deal with the mindset of that?
0: Um, I think the way I look at things is that I have to be proud of what I've done. You know, I can't let the outside world sort of say I'm not not happy with what I've done, because I am. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the film. I'm happy with how it's done. You know, would we all like things to be bigger and make loads of money? Absolutely. And I'm hoping it does, but... You know, I think it's one of those films that if people don't see it as much now, like laced down the line, I think it's one that's going to stick around.
1: I think it is because it's kind of, obviously there's AI and computers and technology and stuff in it, but I I think if you watch that in five years' time, you're not going to go, oh, that technology's dated because there's no, you know, and there's nobody holding up an old iPhone to the screen or anything like that. So I think it is, it has got a timeless quality to it.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think that, I think it will be a slow burn. I think kind of over time it will make more and more money because because you've got the streaming platforms and people renting and getting views and everything catches up. But, you know, we were so delayed with COVID. You know, we filmed it just before the pandemic and then we got kind of slowed down in the post-production process because everything was changing and we didn't quite know how to react to it. So it was it was a slow process. And then it actually had an American release over a year ago.
1: And I was- think that's probably where it showed up on my radar, to be honest. And I, I saw the mention of the film, and then I saw your name on it because I was familiar with your name previously. And I'm like, oh, and I'm looking around trying to find a UK release, and it was like, oh, I guess there isn't one. And then it all went quiet for a while until Sparky yeah. Templeheart did their thing and released it.
0: Yeah, we're very glad it's finally got its UK
1: release. As I say, the feedback's been really positive. It should be. It's a great film. It really is. I really, really enjoy it. But no, I love stuff like that. I think it's it's clever. I mean, yes, you would love a big, huge budget, but Mm. I think if you're given a small budget, it sort of makes you, not necessarily you personally, but it makes people more creative. How can we make this small pot of money work? How can we make it look bigger than it probably is, And things like that, where somebody goes, hey, Natalie, here's 200 million, go make a film. You better be like, ah! And uh, there's a lot of 200 million dollar movies out there that you watch them and you go, I have no connection to this whatsoever. Yes, it's very pretty, but I generally don't care. Whereas the smaller films, the indie films are where I gravitate towards.
0: Yeah, I like I like working in indie filmmaking. You know, it's uh, you have to get creative. You can't rely on the money to see you out of trouble. You have to think of ways around it. Like, for example, one of the scenes in blank um, that you'll probably remember is, is like a continuous kind of shot, and it's going from day to night. Now, the original intention was to actually have people go around with boards over the windows and blocking it out. And, you know, like, so it was changing from day to night all within one long take but we didn't have that many people and we didn't have that many boards and it was a big space. So me and the cinematographer, James Oldham, had to sit down and discuss how we were going to do it and we mapped out the shots. We were like, right, if we break it into like four individual chunks and like do a, a creative cut with it, it will still create the same effect, but we don't have to throw money at it. So and it, worked, I was really happy yeah. with it works. I thought it looked great. It did exactly what I wanted it to do, um, and it was one of the standout scenes for me.
1: Well, next time you need somebody to hold a board, give us a shout. I'll jump on a bus and I'll hold boards for you. So it's fine. Yeah. So I was chatting last week with Fraser Cole, who you'll know from online, and we he was, or he and I were chatting about the state of the Scottish film industry, um, and he felt a little bit disillusioned by the lack of. Support and community up there, which I I do see a lot of community in the, in the English indie film market. There's a whole little core of people that will just share work for everybody else's stuff. So that's a little bit of a a difference that that uh, I notice between the Scotland and the England side of things. But what do you think? How is the film market at the minute for you personally? Are you happy? Obviously, are there things that you would like to have changed?
0: I think that there's some great people working in the industry in the north of England. And I mean, I don't I haven't worked with people based in the south as much just because of where I'm based. I'm obviously based in Macclesfield, which is northern England. So I tend to find people local to me that will work on projects. And I find that people are very accommodating. You know, they're willing to do good deals so that you can get your project off the ground. So if you don't have as much budget to make it and. Um, And I I find that there's some real talent in the industry, you know, that's willing to work with you creatively to get your project off the ground.
1: Yeah, that sort of mirrors what I see. You know, I spend way too much time probably on social media just sharing, you know, seeing everybody do their thing. And there is a huge support thing that I see where people who aren't in your film I've of, of no real connection to your movie, but they're clicking shares and likes and commenting and generally interacting. But I think in some territories, some people will go, well, I have nothing to do with that film, so I'm not going to share it and stuff, which I think is what Fraser's encountered in some cases. But with his project faithful, I think he's, he is literally in the trenches, that guy, but he's doing well. He's very persistent. He's doing okay. But I think, it would be nice to have a bit more support, I think, north of the border.
0: Absolutely, yeah, because, you know, I've seen what he's done. i donated to his project and sh- I've shared it quite a few times. Yeah. Because I think it's nice to support other filmmakers. Like you, don't ha- like you say, you don't have to be working on a project to share about it or get other people interested. And one thing that I try to do is, like, if I see a project of somebody that they've posted and they're looking for funding, you know, I'm not, rich by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a struggling, independent filmmaker. But, you know, ten here or there. You know, it's yeah. a, to drink out. So yeah. I can go without that so that they can have a bit of support for their film. And then I'll share it. Of course I'd share it. So and I, I hope that people would do the same for me.
1: And I think they would. I think they do. Um, yeah. I know it's like, I think there was a little time there when it was like every time Fraser posted something, I think you would share it, Rebecca would share it, I would share it, and every time we each did one, it was like, it was just all crossover, it was like, that's nice though, I like that, it-, it makes you feel a little bit better about your day, there's nothing worse than going, hey everybody, watch my film and then there's no likes, you're like, I'll just give up, I'll quit, I'm out of here. Yeah, you want to see
0: interaction if you can. Yeah. We don't make it as a solo venture just for our own viewing. Like, you hope people will like it. I mean, you have to be secure enough in yourself that you're happy with what you've done and, you know, be aware of of comments, but not be totally led by them.
1: Especially, I mean, social media is a minefield now. It's just like, I don't, I've always been a film fan. You've always been a film fan. I don't get what, you know, do people wake up in the morning and go, right, what am I going to be mad about today? Oh, they're remaking the crow. How dare they? Let's go after it with knives. It's like get a grip. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. It's fine. It's tons of
0: content out there. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, it's bringing it to a new audience, and then that that audience might go back and discover the original films. Yep. So you know, it it can bring it to people's attention. It's like the Ring films. You know, they did the American remake. Um, And that did really well. And then people that were interested in looking at the origins of it discovered the original, which, you know, not everybody likes foreign language films because it's hard reading subtitles and, you know, not everybody wants to do it. So it's just opening it up to a new market.
1: I mean, my second favourite film, my first one is Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which isn't a remake. But my second favourite film is Scarface with Al Pacino. It's a remake. I'd watched that film maybe three, four times before I'm like, there was another one? When was this other one? 1932. Let me go back and watch that one. Uh, I kind of prefer the one I like, but at least I've seen the original one. John Carpenter's The Thing. I've seen that a few times and then, oh, hang on a minute, that's a remake? Oh, well, let's go back and watch the original one. So it does, it works. It, makes, it doesn't ruin the film that you love by remaking something else, I don't think. But I think online people need to just get a grip and go, do you know what, not every film needs to change your life, just watch a film and just enjoy it, just spend an hour and a half or two hours with it and go I enjoyed that, it's great I'm going to go watch something else they need to chill out
0: I tend to watch a lot of the same films over and over again just because it's my comfort film or my, it makes me laugh or it's my go-to it's like, with Phil and I is one of my favourite films and I'd owned it on DVD And then it's my fiance's favorite film, like one of his like top film, very quotable film, of course. And uh, he was like, and I was like, oh, I own that. And I've been meaning to get around to it. He's like, right, you have to watch it. You've got to watch it. So we sat down and watched it and I absolutely loved it. And we quote the movie together. And, you know, we'll often watch it kind of late at night and just sit on the sofa and, you know, a glass of wine in hand and watch the yep. movie. And uh, the, another one I love is The Intern with Robert De Niro. I it.
1: love that film. So yeah, I love it.
0: Lovely. I just, yep. it's, I, I watch it so many times.
1: I think I've seen it twice because I watched it once and I'm like, eh. so I'll just watch something a bit stupid and daft. And I, I'm like, I really, really like this film. It's really good. And then since then I've rewatched it. Uh, it's it's I like it.
0: Lovely. I love Robert De Niro in it. He's
1: just so charming. Have you seen... I re. It's like I spend a lot of time watching films, obviously, to review and stuff, and I can never keep up. It's impossible. Oh. I could spend 24 hours a day watching all these review screeners and all it's like no oh, it's tiring you know it's a third world problem or first world problem whichever the the one is um so it's like i'm not going to complain about it but it's just like oh so this year i thought you know what i'm just going to watch whatever i want want to watch this year i've rewatched predator i watched lethal weapon 2 last night <laughs> i'm just uh, roadhouse i'm just going back to the comfort zone movies and going you know what i'm gonna watch that i've not seen it for a couple of years
0: I'm going to watch the new Roadhouse movie. I am interested in it. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. And my yeah. son's really keen on is it Colin McGregor that's in it? I'm not really up yeah,
1: on Yeah, I think so, yeah.
0: Oh, my God, he's in it. And, like, he's really into martial arts and sort of fighting techniques and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, well, that's one we need to watch together. Depends on the age rating. I actually don't know what the age rating is. but if it's
1: I think probably 15, 15 I would 15, think.
0: Yeah, he could watch 15. I'm fine with that, so...
1: But a lot of the internet was mad about Roadhouse. How dare they remake a classic? Firstly, Roadhouse, not a classic. It's a good film. I love it. It's not a classic. It's not up there with The Godfather or Citizen Kane, really, is it? But it's a good film. But they were mad. How dare they? It's from 1989. Get a grip. It's not like it was two years ago when the original one came out. But
0: yeah, they're it just
1: it's angry. <laughs> yeah, I think
0: people just want to like get mad about stuff. They do. I'm pretty chilled out. I'm just, like, happy-go-lucky. If I don't like something, I just scroll past. And if it's yeah. really, really offensive and, like, somebody's done something horrible, then I will delete them, you know? Yeah. Because well, I don't want to see stuff like that in my feed. But I, it has to be pretty bad for me to do that.
1: Yeah, that's something I've started doing. I don't mind people disagreeing with me because, you know, that's yeah. that's nice. But if somebody posts something so blatantly offensive, it's like, do you know what, I don't need you in my eyeballs and I get rid of them. And I've done a few. Usually they're babbling on about politics or something I'm like that's just stupidity. Get, go away. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get involved in
0: politics online. I just think no. it's a dangerous road
1: to travel down. Fraser and I sat down at the end of the year and we're like, "What are, what are we going to do for 2024? What's our rules?" One of them was we're not going to engage with trolls because yeah. that just waste that waste time. It's like you know what? I'll have a conversation with somebody, but if they're clearly trolling. I've got time for that. I've got screeners that I can not find time to watch, so I just I don't don't do that. I watch whatever I want. And again, Fraser mirrored these. He's like because he gets really wound up. You if you ever want to wind Fraser up, hi Fraser, uh, just say you don't like Doctor Who or something. He'll be like ah, and then he'll start firing viewing figures and stuff. He gets really mad. So I keep going Oi! Trolls, he's like, okay, and he'll calm down. But, yeah, he's very passionate. Uh, or just say, oh, this new ghost boss looks terrible, Fraser, and his head will spin around like Linda Blair in The Exorcist. He
0: likes his uh,
1: ghost
0: players cosplay, doesn't he?
1: He, he, he does, yeah. like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> he does. And he's been doing that for a few years for charity and stuff like that. So that's quite that's quite nice. Yeah,
0: lovely.
1: So what other, what other comfort films have you got? You've mentioned... You know, the intern and with Neil and I. What are your favourite films of all time?
0: Yeah, I actually love Happy Gilmore for a comedy. I just, I it, it's one of those films that I can watch time and time again. It makes me laugh. You know, it's like classic Adam Sandler in, you know, when he was absolutely top of his game. Yeah. Um, so I love that one. And God, what else? And I love um, Son of a Woman. I watched Santa of a Woman quite a lot. Really yeah. Great film, good quality. Uh, amazing performances in that Al Pacino's just, you know, I mean, he he won an Oscar for that, didn't he? So yeah, he did. Yep. So. so yeah, I absolutely love that film. So they're they're kind of the main ones that I watch quite regularly. Hmm. Sort of go back. To, oh, and as good as good as it gets.
1: I love that film as well. Yeah, great film
0: in that. It's just so
1: funny. That's another one that needs to go in my top 200 list now. Because it's weird. You do like a list and you <laughs> go, that's the list. And then somebody will be like, oh, I've not seen Happy Guilt. Happy Guilt, my God, why is that not in my list? And then you've got to either expand your list or kick something out. It's not easy doing a top
0: list. I don't envy you. i wouldn't <laughs> tackle it
1: to be honest. No. Somebody suggested I do a top 100 British films list. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that either. I've got a lot of British films in my top list but things like London to Brighton and, and stuff are in there but yeah it's it's taken me about two years to do, to compile this list
0: wow that's a lot of
1: effort you could shoot films well in that time you know from from the moment you start writing them to the moment it's on a on a platform and here's me just making a list yeah. I need to manage my time but uh how do you juggle your photography with your filmmaking any tips on that, scheduling?
0: Um, I mean, I work like six days a week at least, seven often, you know, just bits and bobs here and there. At the weekend, it's a little bit more difficult, so I just kind of block a few hours out to do stuff. So when I've got a film, I'm very focused on the film, so I don't take bookings for the photography clients then. I'll kind of put bookend them, so I'll have some before and some after, and I'll kind of edit them in my spare time um but it, it it can be a challenge I mean I'm getting quite busy with the photography at the minute and I'm in post on purgatory so you know as soon as I get something for purgatory that comes first you know I'll look at that you know I've got like a booking this weekend I'm actually doing Basker Patel who used to be in Emmerdale I'm doing his head shots so and as Um, you know, we've got something back from Purgatory now, so we're looking at that, so i kind of like, I was like, right, I need to watch it now and I'll just do notes, and then I'm like, okay, then do the headshots, then watch it again, and then edit the headshots, then maybe watch it again. (laughs) Yeah. And just kind of like, block it out, just do bits, alternate between the two.
1: Hence the need sometimes to go, do you know what, i need to have a day off, I'm going to watch Center the Woman and Happy Gilmore, and then I'll you know, I, I call them resetting the clock sort of days i have them now and again i had one yesterday when it's like i'm not going to do anything and then i'll start today fresh and so on so i yeah. think you've got to do that or your head just blows up
0: <laughs> yeah I, I do love working you now i love to be busy mm. you know it's where when i'm happier so i don't like time off if i'm like not working on a film and i've not got a lot of photography clients i'm like oh my god what do i do Can't I just can't relax? So I I like to watch like stuff on Netflix and chill, just here or there, like when I get a few hours spare. But a lot of stuff is like watching films for research. And and myself and Rebecca have got quite a few projects on the go at the minute. So there's like I have to write director statements. We've got packs to put together, and we've got like research to do for those projects, so that you know I've got an idea where they're going then you've got to try and find financing and see what comes next. And I'm always like, oh, which projects are you going to pick next? And I'm like, well, it doesn't really work like that. I'm just going to do them and then see what lands, see where, yeah. see what happens. So whatever comes to life will be what I do. I always,
1: I always like to say I get the easy bit because it's like you, you do all the hard work. You, you raise the, the funding for the movies, you make the films, you release the films. And then I would sit down for a couple of hours and go, I'll watch the film, I'll write my thoughts down, and then a lot of mine is just you know, spider webbing things here, there, and everywhere across the globe. Uh, but then a lot of people look at what I do and go, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm like, for me, it's easy. Yeah. Um, but you, you've definitely got the harder part of the whole thing by making the entertainment. I just wish I wish grumpy internet film fans would just go away.
0: Yeah I mean people get so critical and I think it's really easy to criticise somebody that's made something on like either a lot of money or very little money, um, it's a creative process, you don't know what they've been through to get that thing off the ground so I think when I watch films I do try to be kind because I think well you know I don't know what they had to deal with to get it and to create something is a massive achievement, it is not to be taken lightly, you know we should people should get credit just but for having an idea and getting it off the ground in the first place, in the very first instance. And then, you know, did I enjoy it? Yeah, maybe I did. Maybe it was light entertainment and it wasn't perfect, but I I had a good time watching it. It took took me on a journey. And there's some stuff that maybe I haven't enjoyed as much, but I still appreciate the effort that goes into it.
1: I, just, uh, I have sort of various co-hosts on these podcasts, and one of them is a guy called Stu Miller, who's very—he'll he, say it himself, and I'll say it to him—he's very critical of films. And I remember a few years ago, I said to him, "If a film costs like five hundred pounds, or it costs two hundred million, would you review it any differently?" And he went, "No, I don't care." I'm like, "That's not the way." No, I'm like you, where it's like they built it from nothing. I'm going to cut it some slack. I really am going to cut it some slack.
0: Yeah, that's what I try to do. Cause I think, you know, it, I, I know how hard it is to get a film off the ground. You know, this is what I've been working on for years. And, you know, at one point I wasn't even sure. I was like, am I even going to get a second film? Cause you just don't know. Like there's making a film, even one that's done, done well and had good critical success, doesn't guarantee you a second, you know, to get something else is difficult. And, now I've done two, I think, like, okay, well, you know, maybe that holds me in a better light for getting a third off the ground, hopefully. But I have no guarantee, so it's just, okay, just work. Put, put yourself out there and see what happens.
1: I'm going I'm to blow smoke in your direction from, from blank. Blank's your first feature film as a director. That's one hell of a calling card from a sheer watch this movie. I think it is anyway. And I would, hope, I would hope other people do. But sometimes you do see some people's first film and you're like, well, you know, l- learn some stuff and put it into the second one. But I don't, with Blank, I think it's, it's a really good calling card.
0: Thank you so much. I was so happy with how it turned out. You know, but it really is how I envisioned it. And there were things that changed, like from the original script. Scenes were cut, you know, whole story arcs were caught. And it was kept a lot more contained, which I think worked well for the film in the end. Um, But it it was very much how I'd originally envisioned it, just tweaked a little bit.
1: What's the biggest thing you learned on Blank that you've taken into Purgatory, your second film? Is there something where you're like, I didn't know that beforehand. I learned it. This is going to be a big help on my second film.
0: I think it's just to trust you've got and trust the people that you're working with. You know, you've hired those people for a reason. So, and and if something feels wrong, deal with it. Don't think, oh, it'll be all right. No, like there was, I, I won't go into details on it because it's not something I really want to go into. But mm-hmm. there were things on purgatory that I had to get creative with and I had to make tough decisions. Um, and I'm glad I did. It was the right thing to do. But on blank, I wouldn't have done that.
1: Because you'd built up the confidence, during yeah, blank.
0: The confidence yeah. To trust myself and know if something's wrong, it's it's wrong.
1: Yeah. And what's the sort of status? Obviously, the Assembly Cup was viewed in many many places across the the UK last night. Is there a timescale that you yeah. can talk about for Purgatory?
0: Right. You know, I'm not. We're not under any pressure. We'd like to get it done sooner rather than later because obviously we've got investors that we'd love to see, you know, money coming back from the film. And until it's completed and being sold, we can't do that. So we do want to really like honour our investors that have put their faith in us with this film to get the film out sort of as soon as we can. But it's got to be right. I won't have it out unless it's right. It's got, because it's got to make the money back, and if it's not up to standard, then it's you know it's less likely to be able to do that. So there's no point rushing it.
1: And is that I'm guessing that's one of the benefits of being indie film versus studio film. It always annoys me when a studio announces, "Hey, May twentieth, twenty twenty-seven, this is coming out. We've not got a script, we've no cast, we've no director, but it's coming out." That pressure must be horrible. I think with indie films that don't and you could tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I don't think there is that pressure to it must hit this release date.
0: No, uh, certainly not on these two that I've worked on. You know, we haven't announced a release. Um, you know, we're not going to really announce anything about Purgatory until there's more to report. Yeah. So we're just kind of keeping it going and getting the project off the ground, making sure it looks good. You know, we we've not said it's
1: going to be out on this date. Yeah, which is a good thing. I think more filmmakers should, when's it coming out? It'll be out when it's right, like you've just said. When it's done and where everybody's happy with it and it's perfect, then it'll come out. Yeah. So I will let you drink, here we go. What, so what is your pitch? on? Because we've talked about Purgatory, but we people other than me and you don't know what the film's about. So what is the pitch for Purgatory? What's the hook that will put it on people's radar?
0: Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's about a paraplegic young woman who's heading off to university. And on route, she stops at this isolated hostel. And it turns out it's managed by a serial killer that's luring young women in to do terrible, terrible things to them. So there's a big twist, which I'm obviously not going to tell you.
1: No, I don't want to know. <laughs>
0: it's an endless cycle. It's kind of like a groundhog day where
1: this day is repeated
0: over and over again
1: and each day like it changes a little bit okay i'm hooked i'm in <laughs> real me in yep so that works and obviously you've got your photography business you've got so you're pretty busy yes just, you know it's uh it's safe to say but you do find time to relax so what, what have you got planned for the rest of today for example so it's near the weekend um
0: i'm so I've got a couple more meetings today just to discuss purgatory so I'll be kind of going through stuff about that and I'll pick my son up, walk the dog as well you know gotta get the dog out. Yep. Um, and then I'm just gonna do a bit of research this evening. There's a few there's a, a project that we've got we are pitching. And I want to write my director's statement for it. So there's a few films I want to watch that are kind of like in the realm of that film. So I think I'm going to do a bit of like film watching research.
1: I love oh. film was, I, I love film watching research.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're
1: going to sit down and watch some films, aren't you? It just so happen to be research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh God, somebody's got to do it.
1: <laughs> well, I have got, once I've... You know, finished conversation. I've got a, a text interview with Rebecca, which she sent me. We've been doing that over email over the past few days, so that will be going on my website and be blasted all over Facebook and stuff. So, I sent her a bunch of pre-prepared questions, and then she's uh, she sent back nice, lengthy answers, which is good. So that's that's what that's how my days gonna go. So I'm, I'm quite happy doing that as well. Yeah,
0: well, I work with as you as you know, maybe not everybody watching will mm-hmm. now. But myself and Rebecca work together a lot. You know, the upcoming films that we've got are all we're working on them together. So we have like quite a good partnership for what we want to do. And our company, we've got a company together called Kenmore, uh, that's our joint company. And then we work with Lyndon on Caged Film, which we've done Blank and Purgatory on, and then obviously there's Temple Heart as well, which we both work with. So, you know, lots of things tied in together really.
1: It's a wonderful little network, like we were talking about before. Supportive one as well. Absolutely, yeah. So, where can people find you on whichever? There's too many social media platforms now. It's ridiculous. It's so much easier when it was like Twitter and Facebook. Just do those. Yeah. Now there's about there's a whole bunch more. So, which is the easiest one for people to reach out? Whether they want headshots doing, or whether they just want to tell you how great Black was.
0: Well, for my Filmmaker profile, it's at Nat underscore Filmmaker with two M's. Um, And that's like my film profile. I post some personal stuff on there, stuff about blanks, stuff about purgatory, all the projects. It's kind of like my go-to everyday kind of film-related one. And then for headshots and portraits and anything photography-related, it's at Natalie Kennedy Studios. And that's great. And I'm, I'm actually running an offer at the minute on my headshots. So if anybody's interested, they can message me and I'll uh, let them know the deal. Fantastic.
1: <laughs> but well done on the assembly cut. I didn't see it, obviously, but the fact there is one, and it means Purgatory's in the next stage and it's moving along. And, you know, at some point further down the line, I'll sit and watch it and review it and whatnot. But well done on, on last night. And... Uh, and once again, thank you very much for blank. Yeah,
0: well, very, very hope people watch it. You know, it's on Amazon to rent, Google Play, Rakuten, YouTube. It's literally, you know, there's loads of ways people can watch it. So
1: I think if you, if you go on to you go on to Google, type blank, Natalie Kennedy rent, then it will probably take you to a platform, and you could just
0: Absolutely. watch it what
1: on whatever device you want.
0: Yeah, whatever they've got, they can watch it on. So
1: yeah, and leave a review. Yeah, would be nice, because they help, the algorithms and all that faff.
0: (laughs) People like it. I mean, you know, every film is different and it's not for everyone. You know, there's always some people that like it and some people that maybe aren't into it, which is fine. You know, but I'm hoping that people see something in blank that they can appreciate, you know, first feature made on a shoestring budget. um, Which,
1: Which you can't tell it's a shoestring, by the way.
0: that's literally the comment that's come back so many times. I can't believe you've made it like sub 1 million.
1: I watched a film, which I won't mention what the film was, but I watched one the other week and it was a screener and it was set in the 1800s, but behind the characters was a modern bookshelf, but to sort of, they didn't want to show that. So they just put a white sheet over it, but you could kind of still see it. And I'm like that you could tell was a shoestring budget. Yeah. You could. And it's like, I can't do it. I didn't make it all the way through the film. Uh, it's like, no, I'm out. But you, you look at blank. If I think you could probably test people. You go, right, so what do you think the budget was? I don't think anybody would probably get it right. No, I, I mean, don't. Rebecca and yourself probably would, because you know the answers, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> there's that. But it doesn't look like a shoestring budget, is what I meant. Yeah,
0: it was really low. I mean, it's one of those things that I think people will watch it and they won't, like you say, I don't think they'll think
1: it was done on what we made it for, so not at all. But yeah, thank you for making it as well. So it's uh well done. But yeah, I will let you go and enjoy the rest of your day. Dogs walked and get ready to watch some research movies later on. <laughs> and uh, do try and have a lovely weekend as well. This'll be online in the next day or so. I will tag you in when it when it's out there and people can have a listen and
0: brilliant.
1: And whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's
0: thanks for all your support you do so much for the independent community
1: i'm a film fan i've spent all my life watching films you started acting at age of four i started watching films probably at the age of four so it doesn't cost me anything other than time to give things back
0: yeah so
1: so why not I'm, i'm tipping the balance against the grumpy film fans out there
0: <laughs> I'm not well, the,
1: the little kid that puts the finger in the dike in Holland or whatever to stop the water coming out. Yeah. well,
0: will <laughs> keep it. It's appreciated.
1: But no, I love movies. So you keep making them and I'll keep watching them.
0: Brilliant. All I do right. that. <laughs> Good.
1: Take care.